Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome in. It's another edition here of uh, of the early line on the grid. It is sportsgrid.com. I'm Joe Ranieri, and of course, joined by Dane Martinez here as uh, as we look to put it all together and look forward to. Uh, and that's what I choose uh, to go with uh, with this theme for today, Dane. Uh, looking forward to uh, a life where we get a little bit of more normalcy, and there is no better way to get a little normalcy back in our lives than uh, by sports coming, uh, coming around. And it will be here. And I had an opportunity last night, uh, kind of reminded myself of what that's going to be. I, I kind of looking at this where maybe even like a, a kid around Christmas time here, Dane, where I know the presents are coming, right? Like I, I know the tree's going up. I know that present's going to be under the tree. And of course, that present to me is going to be the return of sports. And uh, I was reminded of that with so much negativity and uncertainty and everything else going on around us, especially as sports fans. You know, the one constant we've always had in our life was the ability to be able to go, you know what, Dane? Um, I know there's an escape in this world. And that escape, usually centered around sports, kind of took our mind when everything else was going wrong. Heck, I can pull up, I can watch an NBA game, baseball game, whatever it may be. So we haven't had that. And last night, I, uh, I was reminded of, um, you know, how you look at things matters. I was in a baseball draft. I was in uh, one of the uh, drafts that I'm in every year with a bunch of buddies. And uh, I got to tell you, it was extremely cathartic for an hour and a half to two hours, Dane, to be diving into baseball guys and uh, the ability to be able to really take your mind off of everything else that's going on and to be able to dive into that and really do some research, figure out what got... You know, you learn, it's amazing because it's, and it's been what, eight days of of a 15-day quarantine right now for many of us. Uh, It's a little more restrictive, obviously, in some places, like where you are, Dane. But for, listen, for the most part, we're we're halfway through kind of the mandatory shelter in place. And I got to tell you, man, diving in, and you kind of forget about, oh, man, I forgot about this guy. Oh, this guy. I mean, it was for about an hour and a half, two hours last night doing that draft. It was, it was really soothing, and I, it kind of gave me a new perspective going, hey, you know what? It's coming back. And, you know, if I got to treat it like it's, hey, like it's Christmas, you know, like I know the presents are coming, and they are coming. They will be back. So the idea that sports won't be back I think is ridiculous. It will be back. So my suggestion to folks here, Dane, would be, you know what? Don't put off that draft. If you are in a draft with a whole bunch of, uh, you know, buddies or you had these things, a lot of guys I know have been postponing them. And and I'm glad we didn't last night because it was a good reminder that, hey, this little break here is okay. Kind of recharge the batteries. But looking forward to getting baseball, basketball, everything else back. It's coming. And I would highly recommend going ahead and – do it, guys. Dive in for an hour and a half, two hours in a draft and tell me that, you know, for, for just that brief moment, you don't feel a little bit better about what's going on right now. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. You know, in these times, people are resorting to a lot of ways to uh, what, get some normalcy back, right? Like, I literally had a Zoom happy hour with a bunch of my friends just so that we could see each other, interact with each other. You know, so when you do a fantasy baseball draft, everything from talking smack to some of your friends, that's, a, that's going back to normalcy on some level, right? thinking strategically about these players that you may have on your fantasy team, that's like a muscle that hasn't been used in the last few weeks. So I can understand how, you know, that's kind of a, um, you know, a something to take your mind off everything. And a great thing, I mean, sports usually plays that role in our society. We hear that after tragedy, whether it be kind of societal or for individuals who lose someone, they go back and play and they realize that, oh, this is what helped me take my mind off it for a few hours. And listen, Joe, uh, you know, there's a lot of element to strategy because we don't know are we going to play 160 games, 120 games, right. 80 games, right? So how does that impact things like people who were injured in spring training? Maybe they're going to make opening day now. How does that impact kids who maybe were on a 150 innings limit? Well, if we're not playing 162 games, maybe teams can stretch that across across the entire season. 
whatever it may be. So there's a lot of things to keep you busy strategizing, thinking for when we ultimately do come back. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I had to keep that was another element last night that I that I recognized. Like, listen, I, I don't know if there's going to be 162, 140, 180. Uh I don't know. Um, so the strategy is a little bit different because you got to kind of keep that uh, in the back of your mind with, you know, guys, because it says injured or, or day to day, that doesn't mean they're not going to be ready by the time uh, baseball comes back. So uh, it, it's a whole nother layer, which was kind of exciting to be able to dive into that. And, you know, you mentioned it, you know, usually as a society, we every time a major event happens, we can anticipate there being change. And it's happened a lot, especially in the world of sports. Uh, take NASCAR, for instance. When Dale Earnhardt died uh, and passed away on the track there at, uh, during Daytona years ago, the whole sport changed. Safety changed. Right. Everything changed in that. And for the better. Uh, drivers right. were much safer after that. On You know, unfortunately, it took that to be able to get there. But that's what happens. Um, baseball, the netting, going up around stadiums all over the country. You know, they played 100 years without netting, guys. And balls were still hit really hard. Uh, you know, anybody remembers uh, Albert Bell playing when, when he ricocheted a shot foul down a left field line? It, you know, it was coming at you. People would get hurt all the time. But finally, until it took to recent that they finally got on a page and said, all right, we're so connected around the world, we can't have a 12-year-old being carted out of a stadium because there was no netting. So that changed. 9-11 uh, changed. You, you know, you go, you go down history, every time there's been a big event, an epic event, uh, like what's going on with the coronavirus, change followed. Now, saying that, I'm okay. So we may not get a Michael Jordan flu game in game six of the finals, right? We may not get that again. I get it. That's good. But what I'm hoping we don't get is the overreaction, the, and the NFL has been accused of this, right, being reactionary instead of kind of taking a step back. I don't know when fans are going to be allowed to get back into stadiums to enjoy uh, their favorite sports and sporting events in arenas and stadiums and, uh, you know, around the country. Uh, but I will say this. I, I hope that it doesn't change where now all of a sudden social distancing is a part of the norm where right. there's only 25,000 in a stadium and you got to be three or four seats apart as opposed to, you know, packing in 50,000 or at the big house and, you know, jamming right. it out. Because to me, that's a, we've seen this happen before and it happens at some degree and some level. I'm just hoping that we don't have people freaking out because somebody sneezed on somebody in section 301 at a game and now, oh, that's it. Hey, you got to clear the whole section out. I'm hoping it doesn't get like that. I get it. You don't want a guy playing with, a, with the flu or a cold on the court. So be it. But the fans, um, yeah, there's a lot of things we should be worried about in this world. I don't think packing into 50,000-seat arenas moving forward should be one of them where we take that away from us. Yeah, you know, listen, as a society, as a sports world, we have evolved over time. You brought up a couple of great examples from NASCAR, the betting, I mean, the netting, in uh, baseball games. Remember also, it's only been recently since in the NFL, they actually stopped the game yeah. when there's a lightning storm, right? Again, we used to play through that. That used to be really cool. Now they actually stop the game. That's another example. You mentioned 9-11. Any New Yorker like me will tell you it has dramatically changed kind of security procedures mm -hmm. going into stadiums. It feels like an airport getting into Yankee Stadium these days. And, and remember, okay, the game happening is different than an arena having 50,000 fans wow. in it, Joe, right? So I definitely expect some kind of interim step when we're kind of moving back towards normalcy where some of the games will happen, but as we've seen in other countries or with the ponies, with no actual fans, right? right? That's what we will see, and I hope that they try to not rush back to that phase, but get back to that phase and realize they can do that before the all clear completely happens so that people even start to feel normalcy right. and that can be a force bringing, you know, society kind of waking up from our quarantine slumber and back to life so people can have joy. What I do think will happen, Joe, and this is not just in sports, but globally, mm -hmm. I wonder if the high five will still happen. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, fans hugging each other when someone hits a walk-off 
will still happen, right? Because we will have it in our mind and things like shaking hands or high fives, those may be a thing of the past. Maybe we're just going to be going namaste yeah. to everyone. Stands. Yeah, maybe a lot of elbows and uh, and uh, forearm, uh, you know, bashing and those types of things. But even even that, like guys, we made it. We made it a long time in this country. It's not the first pandemic. Probably won't be the last here uh, over the course of uh, human life and uh, human nature and the history of this world. So I, you know, I, I get it. It's wash your hands, be all good there. But when it comes to getting us back to some semblance of normalcy, I just hope the overreaction. Uh, doesn't take away from one of the joys that that fans have had forever, and that's being able to go root their favorite, uh, their teams, their favorite players. And uh, the sooner we can get back to that, the the better, of course. Uh, which brings up the question of the Olympics, uh, where a lot of people have been scratching their head about this, getting ready to take place in Japan. Uh, Canada comes out uh, recently and says that. We're not sending anybody. Like, we're not sending our athletes. They did a, uh, a recent survey of Olympic athletes about, you know, are they comfortable? Would they be comfortable going if, uh, if, it's, if it remains on in July? Um, over 70% said no. Uh, they were asked whether or not there would, was there any sort of break in their training? Do they feel like they have been as focused I, as they normally be? And the answer was no for over 70%. So... Uh, I don't know. They say they're going to make this announcement soon, the Olympic Committee, and I get right. it. What, what folks need to understand is that this is, guys, this is a billion-dollar cow for Japan. Like, the amount of money invested into it, the amount of money it would reap in return is yep. huge. And there's no guarantee that they just, oh, we'll do it next year. That's not how it works. Um, there's a lot of money and a lot of time and effort at stake. We're talking billions of dollars here so i get japan's unwillingness uh shall we say to be like uh yeah no this ain't happening uh but at the same time if countries start pulling out and it wouldn't be the first time that countries pulled out of the olympics but i do think the message is going to be sent with the olympians that if they're not focused on what they do best it's going to be very hard uh to pull off the olympics so i anticipate the cancellation, and to me, it's all about, all right, you're canceling it. Are you holding it the following year? Because a lot of things have to change if that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about the kind of the boom to the economy of Japan. Think about also the sunk cost for Japan in terms of having already, like, infrastructure. They probably built stadiums, built roads, built up, you know, kind of uh, fan areas. You know, I remember in the Sochi games, for example, they had to create everything and build everything to sustain something like the Olympics. And I think you bring up a good point that, like, this is, you know, the very last measures of training and preparation yeah. for the Olympic Games. Many of these athletes have been training for, I don't know, over a decade and st- staring at summer of 2020 as go time. So it would be a damn shame. But, I, you know, Joe, I think we understand and know how that story ends, right? Yes. It ain't happening this July. And, you know, we heard the Dubai World Cup in the horse racing uh, world decided to finally cancel yep. despite the fact of how much money is tied into it. Think about March Madness as well. They had to make the tough decision to cancel it. Joe, and, you know, Canada making their stance is kind of like, remember, hours before March Madness was canceled, independently, schools like Duke, And Kansas said, you know what, if you do it, we ain't going, okay? And I think this is, you know, kind of the writing is on the wall, and Canada was the first nation to kind of say, we ain't going regardless. A few big boys are going to start doing that, right? If the United States Olympic Committee, if the German Olympic Committee, the Italian Olympic Committee, for example, if they're all like, nah, 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 we ain't doing this. The Olympics will have no choice but to figure out what is plan B, whether it's 2021 or just we miss this Olympiad, we will see. But, you know, if I'm a betting man and you and I both know we are, I think the smart money is that there will not be an Olympic flame lit in July of 2020. And, um, and, and I will say this. It's billions of dollars are at stake here, but it is, it's March. All right, July is still a little ways away, uh, and I appreciate 
Canada coming out and being like, listen, at this point, we ain't sending any athlete, but you're not sending them for another four months anyway. So, uh, and let's be realistic and let's be hopeful here instead of being such naysayers. Uh, anything can happen between now and then, in, including right. an antibody. An- anything can happen. So, uh, while gotta- I don't think it's necessary for them to have to put the kibosh on it right now, as it's looking and as the days uh, tick on by, uh, it's becoming increasingly, well, it, it ain't going to happen if, if, if we continue the same way we're adding. But at, the same, at least they've got time. Like, they've got time before anything. Listen, the NBA said that they were ready to, uh, uh, they, nothing in their plans is about canceling those final 18 games of the season, which I appreciate. Um, there is going to come a, uh, a very interesting time, April 15th, just around the corner, Dane, and we'll talk about this. Uh, coming back up where they plan on paying their players, the NBA, their April 1st check. Uh, That April 15th check, ooh, um, yeah, no, that uh, that may not be coming. So a possible, shall we say, um, a possible battle between the players' union and the Mm -hmm. owners. Uh, Maybe cooler heads will prevail, but there's that's also a possibility where it's coming and there's going to be some uh, uneasiness here with the NBA moving forward. Yeah, and that's the NBA, yep. one of the biggest cash cows in the world, Joe. Yep. So you talk about that. Think about some of these second and third tier sports. You know, we're talking about bars and restaurants that now close down. Will they ever make it back up on their feet? Might we say the same thing about like, you know, the lacrosse league or yep. the MLS even, you know? And I know we're going to talk about it on the other side of the break, but like, how does this impact college sports as well yep exactly correct because uh if the no fans thing is a reality uh well that's that kind of that's a game changer for a lot of schools and a lot of uh, conferences uh come football season but again uh we're going to choose to uh glass half full there and uh and say listen by the time college football comes around august september uh hopefully we will be back to some semblance of normalcy uh but you know, NBA players, guys, keep in mind, there's a couple of options. I don't, a lot of people don't understand how uh, athletes get paid. The NBA gives you a choice. You can either be paid over the six months of the season that you play, uh, that you play, or you can spread it out over 12 months and get a check all year round like you normally would with anything else. So those who opted for the six months of the season, well, they got paid 90%. There's only 18 games left. They got 90% of their salary. It's the other guys that chose the year-long, you know, stretch out the, the payment plan um, that are looking, Dane, at going, well, I only got paid 60%, 65% of my salary. So what are you going to hold it back for me? So that's the kind of dilemma the NBA is in right now. Which way, which way do they go? It's coming April 1st, but April 15th, there's a portion of the NBA players who they've only gotten 60, 65% of their pay. What the hell is going to happen with the other 35%? We'll talk about that coming up. Plus, uh, a look ahead here. NFL Draft. That's next on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back in here to the grid, sportsgrid.com. Joe Ranieri and Dane Martinez uh, along for the ride here as uh, we get ready for the draft, the NFL draft just around the corner. And, uh, you know, Dane, when we were just talking, uh, a lot of things are, are getting ready to change. Of course, seasons, uh, one of the, the Olympics, uh, a lot of question marks surrounding the world of sports, uh, even how NBA players get paid. And the idea that an NBA player who opts for the six-month payment plan, which basically means from game one of the regular season till the end of regular season, that's where they get their pays. That's, that's their yearly salary. Others choose, you know what, spread it out. Give me 12 months a year. This way I'm always getting a check because believe it or not, Dane, some uh, NBA players aren't great with money, uh, professional athletes. What a shock. Um, but there is a question mark of if they're going to get paid Come that April 15th, and and very much like, you know, a lot of folks, you get paid twice a month, and there are going to be some NBA players, and from what I understand, it's a significant portion that shows that 12-month period, that means you only got 60% of your 
your, your pay, like your salary. The guys who do it in the six months, they're almost paid up. There's only 18 games left in the season. So I get why the NBA is giving us the, uh, we are doing, it's not even on the radar to cancel the season. And when you look at it, it's because there's a lot of money at stake for these players if you cancel that season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, this is a revenue beast. And what happens, you know, and I think people are starting to realize all the implications, all the tentacles that these leagues have, you know, into local economies, you know, television, advertising, sponsors, you know, part-time workers that help sustain all sorts of uh, elements of the sports world. And I think as we go deeper and deeper into this, we're going to start realizing more and more. I think it's interesting you talk about the different options of NBA players even to be paid. You know, Mm -hmm. the idea of the game check only happens if that's the way you opted. You know, Joe, Mm -hmm. I used to be education Mm -hmm. as kind of school leader. And with the summer not being in school, we had the option, did we want to get paid over 10 months right. or over 12 months? Same and what thing. you described is that the NBA players have the same kind of option. Yep. And, and you know, these are things we all need to consider. And as we go further and further along in this context and in these times, we're identifying like, oh, snap, and that's messed up too. Yeah. And, it's, uh, and it, it helps too, because I don't think a lot of folks realize how they get paid. I, I don't know if they think they just get one lump check or how it works, but a lot of these contracts, you know, there isn't a clause in there for pandemic. Uh, and I, there will be moving forward. I can promise you that. Uh, but there's, you know, the owners, eh, listen, pandemic comes, guys. You don't get, we don't make money. You don't get paid. Um, there's nothing covering the players in their current contracts. So I would hate to see that there's a uh, you know, a, a kind of a players union battle with the owners at this point. There's been labor peace, but there are a lot of a uh, lot of players that are going to be, which is why those 18 games, me and you are like, ah, to help, you know, it, just go right to the playoffs. Well, that 18 games is millions of dollars to some of the players, guys, a lot of the players. So it means a lot. And I get why the NBA is going, we're going to do everything in our power to finish these 18 games. And I think a lot of people are like, why? That's why, because there's a lot of guys that have not been paid their salary yet, and that's uh, that's a significant portion of money. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely is. <laughs> and as we go on, whether it's... But here's the other part, though, Joe. The 18 games, that's like, what, maybe nine home games? You're not yep. going to get the gates for those anyway. Ah, yeah, exactly. Like, have been bought. But with people not in the stands, what will be with concessions and things of the like, what will, you know, but television money will still be there. These teams and these regional cable networks still have commitments, right, to their sponsors, to their networks. And so, you know, everyone is dealing with it, and the spiral of implications are only still being uncovered. Yeah, so uh, a lot there on the line. So when you hear the rhetoric, guys, you have an understanding of uh, why you're hearing the rhetoric, why those 18 games are going to be a, uh, a hot topic uh, for players and uh, owners alike. So they just can't come out and cancel it. Too much money involved, and a lot of that money going to the players, in fact. Um, all right, I want to transition over to the draft because we know that is coming up for sure. And yep. uh, the, one of the big prop bets surrounding the draft, of course, has to do with the amount of quarterbacks going in the first round. It's, uh, it's a big prop bet right now. Uh, we've sure. seen it open up at four. It's been to four and a half. I've actually seen a five uh, wow. out there, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But it makes sense given the current climate and the current situation that we are in. I will say this, right? What did we have last year? Last year we had Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, right? Those three, they had three quarterbacks. The year before, and just to show you, it was five, right? You had That's Baker. Big. Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson snuck in. Lamar was that fifth one at the end when they moved up. So if we go over the quarterbacks, and I can tell you right now, we know, yes, we know two is going to be one of them, right? We know Joe Burrow is going to be one of them. We know Justin Herbert is going to be one of them. The the other guy getting the all is getting the love is love, Uh right? I mean, which is hysterical, which is Jordan Love um, out of Utah State. Guys love him. They're comparing him to, uh, you know, to uh, the Kansas City quarterback right now, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Uh, you know, uh, Mahomes is somehow or another being linked with him, like the same kind of situation. 
so if he's the fourth, then you got to ask yourself, all right, who's the fifth? Who, who at the end or the back end of that first round draft might go and take a chance? And well, there's a couple of guys. Number one, don't sleep on Jalen Hurts, right. uh, a guy that many people are comparing to Lamar Jackson uh, in that aspect. And we know the league, yeah, you know, they like changing. So maybe a team uh, takes a flyer because Lamar's been so successful. Uh, you got Fromm uh, from Georgia, and you got uh, Jacob Eason from Washington, former Ohio State. Now, all of a sudden, of course, uh, you know, in Washington where he finished his career. So there are some guys available. Five to me is not out of the question, given what we know about, obviously, this year's draft and how important and how needy a lot of teams are for quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, right now our partners over on FanDuel have the over-under for quarterbacks in the first round mm -hmm. at four and a half. But the interesting part to me, Joe, is that the under four and a half right. is minus 380. The over four and a half is plus 270. So you are getting incredible opportunity if you want to think that it's going to be five or more. Yep. I think you accurately laid out the four that are gimmies, okay? Burrow, Tua, Herbert and Love are going to hear their name called, yep. albeit kind of in a produced television show from War Rooms instead of from Vegas. They're not going to be walking the red carpet or anything like that, but they will hear their names called. So that's four. And I think everybody can accept that there's four. Yep. You accurately identified who are the candidates for the fifth one, right? And I think Jalen Hurts is the one that uh, deserves monitoring. You, may, I don't know that he's Lamar Jackson. I think that might be a little bit of a stretch. Sure. But what we are seeing is that this league, the NFL, is more open to the idea of going all in with a dual threat quarterback and building the roster, building their scheme around that potential. That's where we are seeing this league go to. So I do think Jalen Hurts is a very viable candidate. And Joe, the other thing, we see it every single year. Mm -hmm. You know, this is kind of assuming that the teams that are slotted one through 32 actually are the teams who make those picks. And we all know this. That's never the case. Teams make moves. They trade up. And usually it's to get that guy that they want. And a lot of times it happens at the back end of the first round. Yep. It happened with Lamar Jackson, and it's happened before. What also The way the draft is structured, Joe, is part of this. And I'm going to be interested to see if there's any changes to this. Usually... They do only the first round right. on the Thursday, right? Then you got a whole day to reset your draft board, look at what's available, and get on the horn with other teams to try to make trades, right? And usually rounds two and three are the following day on the Friday. What usually happens is as we're getting to the end of round one, a lot of teams are saying, oh, wait a second. Those guys are still there, and these are the assets that we still have, and these are the teams that are calling me on the phone. And a lot of times, deals are made to trade right back into spots 25 through 32. I believe even if a team like, say, New England, or even if a team that's towards the bottom does not want to take the chance on a guy like Jalen Hurts, there will be a team early or in the middle of round two who trades into the first round to go ahead and nab quarterback number five. Joe, it's plus 270 for yep. over four and a half quarterbacks. And I don't, um, I would not at all be shocked. I think there is some value there from the standpoint of, listen, Eason is a guy that has got a cannon. Of all the guys that have the arm, him and Jordan Love probably have the biggest arms. And we've seen guys with big arms get flyers. I mean, listen, what do you think Josh Allen was out of Wyoming? All right. I mean, this was a guy that had it wasn't all that he played in Wyoming. Number one, wasn't all of that accurate in Wyoming, but man, you throw it 80 yards in a fly that the people tend to look at you. It was good enough for Buffalo. And when you're talking about Eason, I get Jordan Love, a lot of guys comparing him to Patrick Mahomes, that's going to work in his favor. But man, oh man, when you got a quarterback that can throw it 70 yards on the fly there, um, Somebody, that's that kind of 29, 30, 31, 30. Somebody, uh, quarterback needy over there. We know New England is going to need. I mean, as much as Brian Hoyer is a nice uh, addition there, uh, maybe they're not sold on Jared Stidham. Uh, maybe there is somebody that they like in that. Maybe they're willing to go a different direction.
there are a number of teams with those three guys. And what are you going to say about Fromm? I mean, the guy played four years at Georgia as a starter, man. He's a guy that has played on the highest level in what many consider to be the best conference in college football. And somebody is going to take him. I'm wondering if somebody's willing to move up and uh, take him there. Uh, had a pretty good combine from what we understand. Uh, people like him. I think five is absolutely in the realm of possibility this year. Yeah, well, then you're going to get some good juice mm. on it if you go over to our friends on FanDuel, and I like that bet as well. When you think about some of these teams that aren't the ones that we've all heard mm. right at the top of the draft right. to get the quarterback, so outside of Cincinnati, outside of the Chargers, outside of the Miami Dolphins, there are teams that have quarterbacks that we all can admit are on the back nine yeah. that have to start to address this need, right? And maybe they take this opportunity to go up and catch a guy that they fall in love with yep. over the course of, but then again, there's no pro days. Then again, there's no interviews. So how does a team fall in love with someone? I could think of the Pittsburgh Steelers as a potential. They got to figure something out, whether yep. Big Ben is ready to go or not. And I got to mention another team that is high up in the draft. So moving from the top of round two to the end of round one would not be a huge thing, Joe, for someone like, oh, I don't know, the Detroit Lions. There yeah. has been buzz about, you know, how long Matthew Stafford remains the franchise quarterback out in Detroit. That's just to name a couple, right? And there's always a surprise in there. So I think erring on the side of people going to get the quarterback, the most important position in all of sports, is usually a safe bet. Yeah, and when you look at how the draft is lining up, um, and there's a couple of questions, too. We can talk about, uh, you know, top running back, first running back taken off the board. There's uh, there's two guys that are, uh, you know, better than even money here right now, guys, with uh, Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin and DeAndre Swift out of Georgia. Those are the two top guys that are on a lot of people's draft board. The question is, in the first round, the question is, right. who goes first? Um, that's a fascinating look too, which we'll uh, we'll talk about coming up. But when all is in, when all goes well, Cincinnati is going to stick with Burrow. I don't think there's anything that is going to change that. I do think the fireworks are going to happen two through six, guys. Uh, I think that's where the shuffling of the deck is going to happen, and that's where guys like I think Tua is gone before in the top six. I think three of the guys, three of the top six. Is it safe to say okay. that three out of the top six yeah. uh, are going to be quarterbacks out of the three? You know, no matter what the teams are, you're still going to have Tua. You're still going to have Justin Herbert. You're still going to have Joe Burrow gone. And then the question is, all right, where does – who moves up to get love? Does right. Easton go in the bottom? Does yeah. Jalen Hurts go in the bottom? So it, I would say three out of the top five even are going to be quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that's fair. We all know about Burrow. We all know about Tua. Mm -hmm. We know about Herbert. And now Love is kind of flying up the board. Yep. So maybe when there's a there's a bet on FanDuel who'll get drafted first, Herbert or Love. Mm -hmm. You know, so if Love is in that category, he's going to go. Yep. In the, but as you laid out the first six picks, right, Cincinnati has been mapped to Burrow the entire damn time. Yes. I truly believe, Joe, that at Washington at number two, I think with new head coach Ron Rivera, they bring in Jack Del Rio, I think they're going to get that toy to play with as the edge rusher Chase Young. Many yep. people believe Chase Young is actually the best player in the draft, right, if you take away the positional value, all right, of the quarterback. So I think Chase Young sits there at two. It gets You mentioned Miami at five and the Chargers at six. The reason I think it gets interesting is because everyone knows Miami needs a quarterback at five. Mm -hmm. Everyone believes the Chargers are going to go with Terod and then draft the kid at six. So that means spots three and four are open for business, in yep. my opinion. If you're one of these other teams and you want to get a Jordan Love or you want to get one of these quarterbacks, you know you have to hop over Miami at number five in order to do so. And sitting at three is the Detroit Lions, right? They have a number of needs. They may be a candidate to trade down, mm -hmm. get multiple picks, and accumulate assets that way. And at number four is the New York football giants. And we've heard here in New York, they're saying the same thing. They're open for business. They went out and drafted their franchise quarterback last year. So they're ready to kind of maybe go quantity over quality to restock their roster. 
I truly believe, Joe, if a team wants to grab one of these quarterbacks, they know they need to get up over Miami. And it looks like, I believe, we're going to hear trades involving the Detroit Lions at three or the New York Giants at four. See, I would, um, and yes, all is on the table here, but I think the fireworks happen at two. I think Washington signs Cam Newton. And then Washington is open for business with the number two pick. And, and let's face it, the quarterback that people are going to be trading up for, guys, I don't think it's Justin Herbert, although I think he's a hell of a lot better than people give him credit for. I think the quarterback is going to be Tua. And I think if Washington gets Cam Newton, and I think there's a strong possibility that's where he's going to go, guys, and reunite with Ron Rivera there, then I do think number two is where the fireworks begin with Washington. And then they move down with a whole lot of assets, We'll talk more about this uh, this mock draft. We'll do that coming up next here on The Grid. It is SportsGrid.com. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back in here to the grid at sportsgrid.com. Joe and Arian, Dane Martinez here for you on the early line as plenty still to be excited about uh, in the world of sports. A, like we talked about here this morning, uh, we know sports is coming back. It's coming back. So it's not, uh, it's not gone forever. Uh, we will get through this and we will, uh, we will get our sports back and we will, as we try to pick up the pieces and move forward, as a country, as individuals, uh, and we're all in the same boat together here, uh, it's nice to know that, yes, uh, that normalcy that we have come to know and love over the years through wartime and you name it, guys, there's always been sports there for folks to kind of have that escape, and we will get back to it. And uh, even in the meantime, uh, while we are, uh, many of us are quarantined in our homes and uh, we are hanging out, the draft uh, for the NFL is coming up, and Dane and I were just talking last segment about the idea of the amount of quarterbacks in the first round to go. Uh, we've seen plenty of value in that number being five because we certainly, we know three out of the top five are going to be quarterback, right? We, I mean, without a doubt, we've already established, Dane and I, that Simmons, uh, Tua is going to be uh, one of them, of course, and uh, finally, we can look at Justin Herbert as the third. So, Burrow and Tua, for sure. The real question, I mean, Tua, we got Farrow, we've got Herbert, right? Three, they're going in the top five. The only question, I think, Dane, is where do they go? Because, uh, you know, we, we've already established, I think you and I agree, Cincinnati, they're locked into Burrow. Nothing else is going to I don't care what he bitches and moans about. His, he's going to Cincinnati, period, right? So Cincinnati is locked in unless somebody does something absolutely crazy. I don't think it happens. He's going to Cincinnati. That's one. Yeah, we can so now that. your thought is maybe that number three uh, in Detroit is, the, is where the fireworks begin, where because they have so many needs, it wouldn't shock you at all if they're willing to move down with, you know, we talked about maybe the Chargers willing to part with one of the 27 defensive backs right. that they have now. You know, there's some options there. Um, I would counter that and say, I think, uh, while I do think the Chargers are in play, and I do think it's the Chargers that are in all likelihood, the Chargers or Miami, depending on the guy they want, I think number two is in play, that being the Washington Redskins with the second pick. And the reason I do is I truly believe Cam Newton is going to Washington. I, I'm, I'm convinced that that is going to happen, that a reunion with Ron Rivera is coming and that he will be, uh, without a doubt, uh, going to be reunited there. I think they're going to move on uh, from everything else, and I think he's going to be there. And if that happens, yeah, uh, I do think then at that point, Washington is going to be really open for business, and then a team like Miami or the Chargers. And in this case, I'll say the Chargers, uh, they're going to go up, and it would not at all surprise me if the Chargers went up and got the kid from the West Coast that they like a lot in Justin Herbert, who I think could very well be the best quarterback of this draft that nobody gave, nobody paid any attention to. I love the fact that they have, you know, they have that kind of placemat right now that they can, 
He doesn't have to come in and play right away. He's never taken a snap under center, right? I mean, there's a lot of things about Oregon that I hate when it comes to transferring kids from Oregon to the NFL because they don't play any style of football that resembles anything even close to the football, especially quarterbacks. So I do think it's going to take him a little while to get acclimated, but he's got all the intangibles. He can run. He's big. He's got a great arm. He's accurate. We've seen this. Uh, And he's played four years. He's a mature kid. So I do think he might be, instead of Tua, where, let's face it, this year, question mark, it might be Herbert, the second quarterback off the board, as opposed to Tua. And I do think the battle is going to be, and again, contingent upon Cam Newton going to Washington, I think there's going to be a real battle between Miami and, of course, uh, the Chargers as to who's going to go grab that second quarterback off the board, who's going to let it get there. Going to be interesting to see how that pans out. I think the Chargers will do it. Miami will be happy with whoever the Chargers don't pick, whether it be Tua or Herbert. I think Miami will sit at five, but I do think the Chargers will go up and trade with the Redskins. See, I think it's the flip-flop of what you just said, Joe. Mm -hmm. And and for me, that may be true, you know, if Washington go ahead and trade for a guy like Cam Newton, and the books are saying that that is the favorite as far as landing spots for Cam Newton, right? He's at 200, where before we get to Jacksonville, Miami, the Chargers, the Broncos, and other teams for Cam's services. But to me, projecting this first round, the error in your ways, in my opinion, is thinking it's only about quarterbacks. Right. Don't forget about Chase Young, Joe. And I think that because and if Washington gets their quarterback, whether it's Cam Newton or believing in Dwayne Haskins, I think Washington at two is not going to want to trade out because I think they want the opportunity to get Chase Young. Everything I've heard is that, you know, you put positional value and flatten that out. Chase Young is the best player in this draft. So I don't know that Washington will opt out of that opportunity just to trade down. What I believe is that Miami at five and the Chargers at six, those are the teams that are quarterback hungry, shall we say. You just said you think the Chargers hop up and that Miami is kind of happy, which with ever one of those quarterbacks falls to them. I think it's the reverse, Joe. I think Miami goes out and gets Tua at five, and it's the Chargers, especially, Joe, if you think they have their eyes on a guy like Justin Herbert and they're excited for him to stay on the West Coast and be their kind of incumbent or franchise quarterback in waiting, then I believe the Chargers at six have the ability to wait and hopefully allow that to fall in their lap. The only reason, in my opinion, that the Chargers are left holding the bag is if some other team that's not Miami, not the Chargers, decide to hop over both Miami and the Chargers in the three or four spot where the Detroit Lions and the New York Giants are, because then you know a team is hopping up, let's say to three or four, for a quarterback. Then if Miami does take the one that's left, that then would leave the Chargers at six without the opportunity to draft one of these top three quarterbacks. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I, I do think... It, it could play out, and there's so many different scenarios here, guys, but it's, it's interesting. I, I do think the fireworks are going to happen right at the top, and, and outside of Cincinnati, I think the top, the next four or five picks could be all over the map. It could be all over the place. I do think the Giants sitting at four. Um, I do think there's a couple of fantastic, I mean, defensive players that are available in this draft early on. Um, I do think the kid, the linebacker, Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson is a guy that um, yes. that they would absolutely go and get if he fell to him there with Chase Young, let's say, goes in the top three. Right. Um, in my scenario, if I've got, let's say, Herbert going to the Chargers who moved up to two, number three would be Detroit. That would be Chase Young. I don't think anybody would have a problem with that in Detroit. Uh, the Giants, I think, would go get that linebacker in Simmons. Uh, Miami would go ahead and and have Tua, would have the opportunity to get him. And then I do think Washington, if they flip-flopped with the Chargers, I think Washington goes offensive line. Uh, And I do think there's, and you and I have talked about it, there are some monster offensive linemen, some some really good anchors that you can build from. And listen, the Washington defense has already got an upgrade from the coaching staff, and they were pretty good last year. That offensive line is terrible. Like, if you're Washington... You need to start building from the inside out, right? Especially if you're going to bring in a Cam Newton. Or I don't care, even if you're going to draft, even for Haskins, you got to protect this kid. So 
it would not at all surprise me to see if the first offensive lineman off the board, and whether it be this kid uh, Becton from Louisville, who everyone loves, offensive tackle, the blind side, um, or it's the kid from Georgia. Whoever it is, I think it's going to happen. I think Washington, if they don't have that number two spot, I think Washington is the first team to go get an offensive lineman because that's their biggest need as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you know what? Listen, the offensive line market, there are about three or four, maybe even five, that I believe will go in the top 15. I'll give you some thoughts on that. One other defensive player, though, Joe, that has to be mentioned, who I believe will go and hear his name called early, is um, the cornerback out of Ohio State, okay, Jeff Okuda. And when I look, yes, and to be quite honest, Joe, do you know who was the 32nd and last ranked passing defense in the NFL last year? It was the Detroit Lions, okay? And the Detroit Lions also just traded away Darius Slay, mm-hmm. okay? So for me, there's a lot of reasons to connect the dots and to see that Detroit could go out and get the cornerback out of Ohio State. And here's the other part of it, Joe. I don't think a cornerback needs to go number three. So yet another reason that the Detroit Lions could be open for business, trade down, not dramatically, maybe to a team like the Chargers or another one that's kind of had some assets and move down just a bit and try to still be able to get Okuda at, you know, maybe lower in the top 10, shall we see. I think the Detroit Lions need to address their pass defense. They were dead last in the league last year and they moved on from their shutdown corner, Darius Slay. When you talk about the offensive lineman, Joe, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia, uh, Jedrick Wills out of Alabama, there's the kid Worfs out of Iowa, mm-hmm. right? And, and others. You mentioned Becton from Louisville as well. Yep. There's a bunch of teams, I think, kind of in the range of 8 to 15 that are offensive line needy that I think these guys are going to go in rapid succession, okay? For example, the Arizona Cardinals, who now stand at 8. The Cleveland Browns, who now stand at 10. The New York Jets, who now stand at 11. And what is the consistent thread with all three of those teams? They all have young, developing quarterbacks that need to be protected and offensive lines that couldn't do the job previously. I think all of those teams could target offensive linemen, right? So you got the quarterbacks going early. You got some of these defensive studs, Simmons, Okuda, Chase Young. And then I think we see a run on offensive linemen. Yeah, yeah, which will fall right in there to, like you like you mentioned, Wirfs uh, from Iowa. Yep. All of a sudden, Cleveland sitting there at 10 uh, could have their pick of the litter. And then I, as a Jet fan and as a homer, my idea is go out and get Andrew Thomas. If Andrew Thomas is on the board from George, go out and get Andrew Thomas and have him protect Sam Darnold. Please don't get crazy and like, oh, CC Lamb, wide receiver. No. Please go get one of these. I don't care if it's if it's Thomas, if it's Wurtz, if it's uh, if it's Beckton. I don't care whoever's left at eleven. Jets just take an offensive lineman, pretty please. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you, Joe. These are kind of the four blue chip offensive lineman prospects we're talking about. And if I'm a Jets fan at number eleven, I'll take whichever one is still there, right. Joe. Okay, I'm here and here in New York. Also, the idea of wide receiver, and I don't believe in that, Joe. Okay, here's why. We've, we've talked multiple times about there being like 20 potential wide receivers that have the grade that warrants maybe not a first-round pick, but a second-round right. or a third-round pick. And I do believe at least Joe Douglas, the new GM yep. of the Jets, understands how to build a team from the inside out. Look at what they've done in, in right? Yep. Talked about kind of second-level offensive line that they're getting, right? And I they put the cherry on top. One of Yep. I, listen, man, I, I think there's going to be some opportunities here for some players that are going to be game changers for some teams here, Dane. And I, you know, when we talked about going five quarterbacks in, right? So if that's going to be the case, right? Five quarterbacks in the first. So where yeah. does Jordan Love go? Because we, we gave you three out of the top five picks are going to be quarterbacks, right? So let's go with that fourth pick that we're fairly certain is going to go, Jordan Love. Well, how far do you get down the board before he goes off? Uh, to me, he lands at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay at number 14 is Jordan Love written all over it. Sit, I mean, 
who better for this kid to learn from than Tom Brady for a year or two? I mean, it's a perfect fit. They know life after Tom Brady is around the corner. They need to go and get themselves the future of this team. They're stacked in free agency from a defensive perspective, what they've done. They've upgraded the offensive line. They got enough weapons. Go get your quarterback of the future. If this kid is anything like Patrick Mahomes, Tampa Bay, you got to get him at number 14, Dane. Yeah, that makes sense to me. But, you know, when we talk about this, Joe, the hardest part for me is that I do not believe that the order come draft night is going to be the order that we see right now. Okay, you're right. If a guy like Jordan Love is still there at number 14 for a team like Tampa, that makes sense. But I'll be willing to make you a side bet, Joe, that the team that drafts Jordan Love will trade up to get well, him. Well, well, let's talk about it now for a minute. Let's start with seven. You got Carolina. They just signed Bridgewater. They're not getting a quarterback. Arizona? Absolutely not. Jacksonville? Nope. Cleveland? Nope. Jets? No. Oakland? Maybe. Uh, maybe San Francisco, no. I mean, Tampa, to me, really is the is that one spot there where it should be quarterback. They might go in a different direction, but they're the ones, really, that need something uh, to replace Brady, don't they? I got another one for you. You were just going down, and you got to number 14. You curiously forgot to mention number 13, the Indianapolis Colts, who are another team, right? We have said time and time again that we don't think their franchise quarterback is on their roster yet. It's nice that they are talking about maybe keeping Jacoby Brissett, but he's on the last year of his deal. They can get out of that. Phillip Rivers was a one-year bridge kind of solution. I think the Indianapolis Colts, remember, Frank Reich is a guy, maybe he wants his own piece of clay to mold. I think Indianapolis could be a team that's out there. And if you don't think about them, look around the league and see who still has aging veterans. Remember, teams want to start to do this a year too early as opposed to a year late holding the bag. Yeah, I I can see Vegas, the Raiders going... Judy, you know what I mean? Wide receiver, one of these studs wide receivers. I could see them loading up on weapons here. They've got two, I believe, right? The Raiders, they've got two in the uh, in the first round that they yeah. continue just to dominate. I-, I could definitely see them going. They're going to be one of those teams that grabs themselves a, uh, a wide receiver because they need it. But listen, a lot of stuff still to be determined. This draft is uh, it's approaching. It's going to look a little different but it's going to be a much-needed uh, reprieve for sure. A lot of ways to dissect this. Of course, uh, uh, Dane and I will be doing it uh, from now over the next couple of weeks right up through the draft, but I do think you and I are on the same page with our Jets. Please go get offensive linemen. Like, I don't care what you – I will never say another bad thing about – just go get an offensive tackle, Dane. I don't care which it is about 20 seconds. Yeah, just give Sam Donald a chance. Yeah. We're seeing everywhere all these other young quarterbacks get supported. Let's get Sam Donald some help and protect them. Exactly correct. All right, be safe. Uh, we'll be back again, of course, uh, tomorrow, breaking it down, continuing to go down the first round of the NFL draft. We'll talk to you then. Have a great day. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.